Uh, we are going into a new series, a new series today, and uh, I'm excited about a new series, and we needed a nice catchy title, and so I, I just, I kept coming back to this title, Living on a Prayer. <laughs> Living on a Prayer, and I thought I would put that as the title for all the Gen Xers in the house. How many Gen Xers are right here? Woo! Yeah. In case you don't know, uh, Living on a Prayer was one of Bon Jovi's most biggest hits back in the 80s, late 80s. Uh, fun Super Bowl trivia for you, so I can pull the other side of the house in on this. Um, in what year did Bon Jovi perform in the halftime show at the Super Bowl? Never. He never performed at the Super Bowl. <laughs> I was sure he did, I just kept Googling. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure, it's Bon Jovi, like of course he did. No, he never did, the answer is no. No show. Uh, he's never performed at the Super Bowl. But if he had, you know the song Living on a Prayer would have been on top of that list, right? Sorry, <laughs> so funny. When we say the statement, we're living on a prayer, living on a prayer, uh, it, was, it was coined before bon, John Bon Jovi, uh, but we typically, we say it to depict a certain desperation, a need to have faith or even a surrender to the need uh, uh, that we have an, an unanswered prayer. We're, we're living on a prayer. Uh, we're just getting by. And my hope as we head into this series, we're heading into the Lent season coming up very soon, and, uh, which leads us towards the cross, leads us to Easter weekend, the end of March. And my hope is as we head into this series on prayer that we will be desperate, but not to have all our prayers answered, per se, but to be transformed through prayer. Because prayer transforms our lives in such an incredible way. We are desperate to be in the presence of God, amen? To hear his voice, to be in communion with him, and this is what our prayer life is all about. Living on a prayer, it's life-changing. And so we can't help but think of the prayer that Jesus taught us to say. And so my hope is that over the next several weeks as we talk about prayer, and we have different, some different guests coming to speak, and I'm excited about this, but um, as we speak about prayer and we talk about prayer, my hope is that we could say the Lord's Prayer together each and every week before we start into our message and it'll be a reminder of us, to us, of how Jesus taught us to pray. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in school long, long, long time ago uh, in a time when we actually said the prayer every single morning. How many people, that was part of your life too, yeah. But I'm realizing that there's another whole generation, maybe two, who haven't actually grown up saying this prayer. And so when they come to moments, and, and particularly uh, some solemn moments in their life, when uh, they're at a place where a corporate prayer is being said and this prayer is being spoken, they may not know the words. And so this is an opportunity for the next generation as well to speak it out loud, to learn it together. So we're going to put it up on the screen here, and I'd like us to say it together in all reverence, but you can keep your eyes open if you'd like to see the screen. But let's, let's say this prayer, the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. He taught us to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And if you haven't memorized this or it's been a while, may this series really solidify in your heart the power of prayer, the purpose of prayer, why we pray and how we pray. And we're going to unpack all, unpack all those things over the next several weeks. But for some, prayer is only set aside for emergencies or special occasions. I mean, there's no time to pray like those times when it is like a 911 emergency when everyone on your knees and pray. We pray differently, don't we, when our life depends on it. I mean, the first words out of your, your mouth, and even this week, I was, as I was coming up to a, uh, to a stop sign, the person in front of me stopped really quickly, and then all of a sudden, I was hitting that brake, and I'm in immediate prayer mode. You know what I mean? <laughs> we pray differently when our life depends on us, but I want to challenge us that life itself looks different when we are dependent on him in prayer. Your life actually looks different when you're dependent on him in prayer. Dependency on the Father, that marked Jesus' life. And it was to demonstrate it through the countless times, countless times throughout all of scripture, when Jesus would take time apart to leave the crowds, to even leave his close disciples, and he would go apart and be with the Father in prayer. He said, Many times, I only do what the Father shows me. How did the Father show it to him? I believe most of the times it was not just in that moment, but it was during the times when he was in prayer with the Father, in communion with the Father. And what would our lives look like if that is how we lived? In total surrender and ultimate full trust in God because of our time spent with him in prayer. Not just in the moment, not just in the emergency, but time and time again, being able to be completely immersed in God's presence and in prayer. I'm excited because next week on Family Sunday, Pastor Bobby's coming to preach, and he's coming coming from the front row all the way over here, and he's going to be preaching, and uh, he's sharing on the rhythms of prayer, like in our life, in, in our lifestyles. How does that look? as families, as individuals, and so many people live lives of worry and doubt and fear for tomorrow, but Jesus knew the heart of his listeners. He knew they wouldn't uh, just be able to pick up on this just from watching and observing, although that was part of it. Instead, he took moments to teach them what it meant to have total reliance on God through prayer. Luke 12, verse 27, you know the scripture well, and it's one of my favorites. It says, consider how the wildflowers grow. Consider the lilies, you may remember it by. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And he goes on to say, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek first 
his kingdom. And all these things will be given to you as well. Why should we prioritize prayer as we desire to be transformed in our faith journey? Why should we desire to have this, these moments with God where we are intimate with God in prayer and communication in all seasons of life? Well, first of all, it's because it's about reliance on God. Our God reliance. Prayer changes us from being self-reliant to fully dependent on God. It's a posture thing, isn't it? It's the first thing. It, it reminds us of who we are versus who God is, and it allows us to surrender again to the fact that he is God, I am not, and I am fully reliant and dependent on him. In Philippians, we see the, letter, the letters to Philippi, and it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, which is a really key part of that, present your request to God. It's a reminder to the local church. It's, it's not a judgmental statement. Uh, it's not to bring con- condemnation to those who are struggling with anxiety or mental, uh, mental wellness. Please understand that that's not what's happening in this scripture. But it's an invitation to faithfully continue to submit our cares to the Lord and to make room for the supernatural. Just make room. Why do I believe that today? It's because in verse 7 it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Does it mean you'll never feel anxious again? No. (laughs) Does it mean you'll never have thoughts run through your mind that you didn't invite to come into the picture in that moment? No, it it means that we, we take captive our thoughts and we choose to say, even though I feel anxious, I have no need to be anxious about anything and allow the peace of God to guard your hearts and your mind. It's an invitation. It's an over and over again thing that we do as believers because we are reliant on God. Even if our feelings don't always match up. Prayer puts us in that posture of reminding us of who God is and who we are in our full dependence on him. We go to him first. It's important to ask why we should pray in light of our desire to be transformed in faith. And the second reason, which is just as important of a reason, is because Jesus modeled it. We're in this year of transformation as a church family, and we believe that God wants to do a transformative work in our lives. Amen? He wants to do something new in you. I'm so excited about hearing the stories already of God is doing a transforming work in your spiritual lives. Keep pressing into God. Keep making room for his transformation work. But transformation comes through being like Jesus, and Jesus modeled a prayer life for us. Prayer is the vessel which will change you to look more like Jesus. It's a vessel. 
Some of you know that we've, uh, we moved here in September, but I started here at the church in July, and so we were just so blessed to be able to, the church family, we were able to find us a place to stay for a lovely couple who are the parents of, of Randy Seuss and his wife, Shannon, and so the Seuss family, Ed and his wife, we were so excited to be able to stay at their house in between, like as we're going back and forth to Niagara, where we used to live. Lovely family. How many people know that family? Just, just a lovely, subtlier family. Uh, what you may not know, which we were given privy to, like, and we were able to be blessed by, is they took us downstairs just before uh, they left, and they said, in this cupboard, and they opened a cupboard, and they said, are all these preserves we have? And they showed us uh, all these different things that, they, that Mrs. Seuss had made over the, the year, and one of my favorite things that we had while we were there, because she said, help yourself, which we were very like, cautious not to empty her cupboards. But she should never have pointed us in the direction of the salsa, the homemade salsa. As we were thinking a little bit about Super Bowl and what we're gonna eat, because that's really the most important thing, isn't it? No, it's Taylor Swift, that's the most important thing. But then, <laughs> then it's food, and then it's football in our family. So. Um, but salsa, I was thinking how much, how much that salsa would be so good this afternoon, Mrs. Seuss. <laughs> Just saying, she's in Florida, so she can't help me with this. But, um, <laughs> but there's other things that you know, some of you are really great at here, at creating as well, jams and all these wonderful preserves that you have blessed us with. Thank you. Um, this is not a plug for more. But one of my favorite, favorite jars of preserves is actually pickles. I love pickles. And think, someone cheered for pickles. All right. I'm in the right church. <laughs> Michaela is like, has the same. She's picked up on this too. She just loves pickles. Can we buy pickles today, Mom? Sure. Why not? Um, pickles, as you know, are just cucumbers preserved in a jar of vinegar and dill and all sorts of yummy salt and stuff like that. Uh, pickles are just cucumbers immersed in something that make them change to something different and better, in my opinion. Transformation, it happens when we're fully immersed in something. So if you're wondering, is prayer really a way to change your life? Well, I say prayers, I say them here and there. We have prayers at lunchtime or at supper, at our round table, before bed, I say a prayer with kids. Um, okay, might be like dipping your toe into the jar of preserves. <laughs> but if you're fully immersed in prayer, and I personally, I don't think I'm even fully immersed in prayer at this stage, and, and we know that it's a good thing, that it gives give good results, but it takes intentionality, it takes being a purposeful, to be fully immersed in something that will transform us, and I believe that Jesus modeled it. I believe we see it evident in fruit in people's lives, that when we are immersed in prayer, it changes us, and how it changes us is to become more like Jesus. Why do you think they, even, they have things like French immersion school? Because you learn when you're fully immersed in something, theoretically. 
When you're fully immersed in it, you're going to learn more and it's going to become a part of you. It's going to flow better. And so when you're asked to pray or you have a neighbor who has an emergency and they say, would you pray for me? You're like, I can pray for you right now. I've been praying all day. Like this prayer is just a part of my life. And and you, you wouldn't actually say that, but you would come to them and you would be ready to pray because you are fully immersed in a prayer life that has transformed you and you believe by faith that prayer changes things. The transformation happens because we are being immersed in this vessel called prayer. So let's look at an example from Jesus praying. He's been baptized by his cousin John, P.S., still flying high over that wonderful service last week, amen, with all the baptisms. Woo! I'll tell you, nothing will do better for a staff than just experiencing those kind of baptisms and hearing the testimonies and, and even following up with people afterwards and to know, to know that there is a list of people waiting to be, be baptized immediately after seeing the baptisms last week. They, they signed up to be baptized. That's good news. <laughs> so Jesus, he's been baptized he set this example in uh, Luke chapter 4, right after this moment when the father says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased, and the, the spirit descends on him as a dove, and, and everyone knows this, this is, wow, this is something. In verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. And we know what happened during that 40 days, but the Spirit sent him to the wilderness, but this is the time when he's, he's fasting, and he's praying, and he's also being attended to by angels, because God doesn't leave us in the wilderness alone. And we know what has happened, and you may read this and choose to, to just do a deep dive into this during this next season. But he faces these temptations, and his full reliance is on God for strength. And we see even a transformation take place when he, he, he is successful in, his, uh, in the temptations and, and, and being able to not fall into temptation when he's, he's t- tempted by the devil. But then we go down to verse 14 to 15, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. Being immersed in prayer prepares us. A life of prayer, it prepares us It recharges us, and it empowers us. And we see this in the life of Jesus. It's why we can choose to model our life after him. Who knows what God is preparing you for? I mean, we we wait until the other shoe drops or the bad thing happens, and then we go into that, what I was talking about before, the 911 mode. We're all guilty of it, and I don't think God minds. (laughs) But we expect God to answer the other line, 911, what's your emergency? (laughs) 
He wants to prepare you in advance for those adversities that will take place. He wants to prepare you in advance for the ministry he has you to do, for the people you will encounter along the road, for the temptations that will come along the way. He wants to prepare you, and one of the ways he does that is through time set apart, immersed in prayer. Jesus, when he had had a long day of ministry, he would recharge and he would go apart and he would spend time with God, with the Father. And he wants to fortify you in the same way. He wants to strengthen you by his spirit. So much so that it would reflect even what we see in the stories of the Old Testament in one, the life such as Job. Job, who walked so closely with God that he could say even though everything was stripped from him and his, his family, his life, everything that was precious to him was completely felt like it was robbed from him and he could say, though he slay me, still, still I will trust him, still I will serve him. And some of you we know are going through difficult circumstances. It's not to minimize that today. There's health issues, there's finances, there's marriage crisis, some are grieving, there's addictions, there's struggles that you can't even speak to your best friend about. There are things that are beyond your control and capacity. But we must rely on God in prayer. We must follow after Jesus' example. And the reason why prayer should be so much a part of our everyday life is because, thirdly, it's a way maker for us in the Christian life. Prayer changes not only us, but the things that we couldn't do in our own strength. That's how God wants us to live, in a way that is not dependent on our own strength and what we have the capacity for, but in a way that we can fully be strengthened by him and doing things in his strength, not our own. We have to put a caution here that our perspective on God's ability to provide at times, that it can be hindered by our inability to believe that God is at work on our behalf, that he cares. He's not distant, he's not aloof. He is a present help in times of trouble. Hebrews 4, verse 15 to 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Isn't that an encouraging word today? An encouraging reminder. And this confidence, this confidence that we have, the scripture talks about, it flows from security and relationship. So for some, if you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, and, but yet you've prayed your whole life, you've always prayed to God, but it never fe- doesn't feel like it's necessarily two-way. There's not like a relationship there. May I encourage you, today is the day of salvation. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Repent of your sins and, and turn your life to him and, and allow him to do the forgiveness work, the grace work that's needed. And 
Then see what happens when it comes to the flow of communication between you and God. Confidence that we have, it flows from a relationship in one who can empathize with our weaknesses because he has already been through it all. And the one who can forgive sins. How many people believe Jesus can forgive you of all your sins? Amen. You believe that with full confidence. Understand the one who can forgive sins can do the miraculous in your circumstances. If he is capable of taking your sins and removing them from the east to the west as far as the east is from the west, if he's able to do that, that's that's the most difficult thing of all. If he is able to remove our sin from us, how much more is he able to do the miraculous in the circumstances that, that we don't know how they will end or how to fix them? 1 John 5, verse 14 to 15 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Can we remove all of our thoughts about, well, what about this, what about that, and just sit on this passage for a minute? This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. There's an element of faith in here that's hard to grasp at times. But we hold in this tension that because of his love for us, because of the grace that's at work in us, that that we can boldly ask him whatever we need to ask him, and, and I read this week, and it was so encouraging just to say, do you need to know whether it's God's will or not? Does it line up with his will? Then pray that way. Pray that way. God, I know that, that by your stripes we are healed. I know, God, that healing can come through you, that you healed all the time, so I'm going to keep praying for my healing, even what, no matter what the doctor says. I'm still going to pray, and we hold that truth and that faith. With the same tension that Jesus did, our model for how to pray. When Jesus said, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus prayed that and taught us to pray. And then Jesus, when he comes to the most difficult moment on his journey here on earth, and he knows he has to go to the cross, and he knows what he's been on mission for all these years, and he, he is watching it go through his mind, everything he has done, everything he has taught, everyone who he has touched, every disciple he has empowered, and he is now in this moment where he knows that his mind is set on the cross, and in prayer, in moment of complete surrender. While the disciples have fallen asleep, though he's asked them to pray, he is praying and he prays this, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Have you ever prayed that? Father, if you are willing, just take this cup from me. This burden, it's too much. I have to do something difficult. I don't want to do something difficult. Just take the cup from me if you are willing. 
But then, in the same breath, he says, yet not my will. Jesus says this. Not my will, but yours be done. That's full surrender. That's a life completely reliant on God the Father to provide. That's a life fully immersed in prayer and communication with the one who made you and loves you and has called you by name. And it's in full believing, full belief that the one who created all things is capable of creating something new in your circumstances, of bringing restoration where restorations need it, bringing freedom where addiction has robbed you, bringing new life to that dead and dying marriage, bringing newness to all things. This is the God that we know and serve. It's holding it all in tension and completely saying, God, your will be done in my life. And saying it over and over again in a lifestyle of prayer that flows into every other aspect of your life. I don't know about you, but the days that I wake up and I choose to take a moment to read scriptures or to pray or to do both are days that turn out better than all the rest. It's not because there's less conflicts. There's not because there's less things on my to-do list. It's not for any other reason except for I have a different perspective. Amen? I have a different reliance. It's on someone other than myself. And his peace that surpasses all understanding, it just rests on the day. It just rests on that moment. And the days that I choose to follow the rhythms that, of life that work best as a believer, the days when I take time to stop my day, quiet myself, and just have a moment with God. Those days are even better than just that once a day prayer. And the days when I end my day with saying thanks to God and listing all the things that I'm so grateful for, asking for forgiveness for the spots where I've fallen short, those are the days when he brings restoration and strength so I can wake up the next day and start it all over again, knowing God has a purpose for my life. That he's not going to leave me. He's going to be walking with me each step of the way. And he wants to be in communion with me. Who could imagine that the God of the universe, the God who made all things, would call me friend because of Jesus? I'm going to call the worship team to come on up. We're going to sing that newer song that we sang earlier today. It's a beautiful song talking about God at work in our lives. I want us to take a moment. Before we leave this place, before we get to all the fun stuff you may have planned for this afternoon, before you open your own jar of preserves or whatever that looks like, and get out the salsa, whatever, whatever that looks like for you today. I want you to take a moment to put into practice that which I know you already believe. That prayer changes things. Do you believe it? 
Prayer changes things. I'm here today because someone prayed for me. I don't know about you. I'm here today because many people have prayed for me throughout the years. And I know that you're here today because there's people who've been praying for you now. You get to be a blessing to others by pouring into this part of your life the power of prayer, the transformative transformative work of prayer in the life of a believer. So we're going to take some time. We're going to sing this song. And then we're going to have the worship team just play it through once without any singing. And I want you just to have a moment of communion with God. If you have burdens that you are too heavy for you, you might want to just come up here and find a spot just to pray a, a little bit longer. That's okay. You can do that here. But take a moment to be able to bring your request to God, to surrender your life to God again, and to ask him to help you to become more like Jesus in the area of prayer. Because prayer is important and it will transform your life.